Hello and welcome to Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. We're a new church with a desire to bring our hope in Jesus Christ to the people of Helensburgh and beyond and live as a community shaped by the gospel. If you live in Helensburgh or are just passing through, we'd love you to join us sometime. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.15 at the Helensburgh and Lowman Civic Centre. But now, here's the latest sermon from Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. You can find the Bible references and more information in the episode notes. Our reading is Galatians 5:25 to chapter 6, verse 10. We're coming towards the end of our series through the book uh, of Galatians, Paul's uh, letter that he wrote. So the words are behind me on the screen, so please do follow along. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbour for each will have to bear his own loads. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for at whatever one sows that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen. We give thanks to God for his word to us. Now, we've been going through Galatians for uh, a while now. We've seen um, the, the core truths of the gospel, how Paul, for most of the letter, is really bringing them back to the fact they are saved by grace is what christ has done that they have been crucified with christ they said that the old man has died that there is new life for them but in chapters five and six we've been seeing what that new life should look like how we live as god's people how we live in a way that is pleasing to him how we live by the spirit we're talking about being spiritual people in chapter six you who are spiritual is what uh, Paul says. Now, being spiritual is one of these phrases that you do hear quite a lot still, isn't it? Uh, A lot of people, even if they're definitely not religious, would describe themselves as a a spiritual person. Uh, And what exactly that means uh, is usually whatever someone wants it to mean. Um, That's what makes it attractive, isn't it? I can sort of create my own spirituality uh, and make my kind of own faith if you like and just believe what I want and and so we can create our own faith in much the same way I suppose we can buy a car or, or even a sandwich pick whatever we want whatever sort of features we want 
and, and honestly, even in Christian circles, there can be a similar kind of outlook, can't there? You know, being spiritual can turn into whatever I'm feeling must be God leading. Uh, we've probably come across that. We've probably even thought it ourselves. You know, we, we're trying to make a decision. We, you know, we, what we want to happen, we'll kind of say, that's God leading. And, and that's an extreme example. But, but sometimes it is our own desires that we're really listening to. And we call it being spiritual. But the Bible does give us plenty to understand what truly being spiritual is. And it's not to have something that no one else does. It's not even really to have what some people call it the spiritual gifts, you know, like speaking in, in, in tongues. What it is to be spiritual is something that every believer can have, should have even. And if you're not a Christian this morning, this message is still for you, because I hope that you'll see that what God gives to anyone who believes in him is himself. The Holy Spirit is God himself coming to us and equipping us to live in a new way. And that is the gift that is offered to anyone who believes that God's presence is with us and that we can begin to live a new life it's not that we're perfect in the least it's not that we're even better than anyone else but that god is with us Uh, and i want us to see the impact this at least starts to make in a christian's life it's not a quick fix we are broken by sin and although we've been put to death and, and metaphorically crucified with christ we know we do wrong in our thoughts and words and actions We can't claim to be faultless. But what we're talking about is how we want to live, our desire, our aspiration. We want to be spiritual. We want, in other words, to live in a way that is pleasing to God, that is Christ-like, that lives in the way that Jesus did. Last two weeks ago, sorry, we saw the fruit of the Spirit in opposition to the works of the flesh. And we talked about there's a war between us Uh, If you weren't there, we were talking about how there's a war inside us, doing the works of the flesh, uh, keeping in step with the Spirit, and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And we're talking about following God's ways and not our own ways. And the metaphor kind of continues here. We read, um, whatever one sows, that he will also reap, sowing to the flesh, sowing to the Spirit. And it's a similar thing. If we're sowing to the flesh, we're doing the things that we want to do, our own desires. And if we're sowing to the spirit, we're following God's leading. We're being spiritual. And we can keep that in mind as we go through. But this week, I want us to see some more solid examples, perhaps, of what it is to actually live, bearing the fruit of the spirit, living in a Christ-like way, living in a way that is pleasing to God in light of what he's done we always have to have the order in the right place it's because god has rescued us because he has delivered us from our sin because christ has died for us this is then how we live so three things what being spiritual is then second how we live a spiritual life and third of all what we gain from uh, this spiritual life so first of all what being spiritual is Uh, And this is a short point, really, but crucial for us to understand. Being spiritual is being someone who loves others. That's the message that Paul is giving here. Being spiritual is being someone who loves others. 
it's love that brings the fruit of the spirit together it's the the first fruit the fruit of the spirit 522 the fruit of the spirit is love and so on it's the first one uh in earlier in chapter five paul has said the whole law all that god has said is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself he writes to the Colossians another time, another group of people, and he lists some similar virtues. He didn't call them the fruit of the Spirit there or anything, but he says, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul has a clear message in his writings. It's love others. He says in our passage, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is to love others that's what he's saying when he says that love one another bear one another's burdens fulfill the law of christ this is how you love others and of course it was jesus who who affirmed that um you know the law is fulfilled that what we're supposed to do is to love the lord uh, our god with all our heart and all soul and all mind and then the second command you shall love your neighbor as yourself paul's assuming that we're going to love god and he's saying we must love our neighbor as well so love love of others is what it is to be spiritual to to have the holy spirit to have god's presence is to be someone who loves others that is the the message that we need to take from this passage that's what it is to keep in step with the spirit as we were saying last week it's like a, a military term of staying in formation it's loving others if we don't love others then we're not spiritual that is what paul is 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 emphasizing of course what does what does love mean it can be watered down can't it this this term love and um you know it's turned into a a stock phrase you know love is love or a justification for just letting people do what they want uh it's turned into something that needs to work for me love in the bible though is something far more (laughs) wonderful than we can imagine and so our second point how do we live this spiritual life how we live it how we love others in other words paul gives us uh, a vision of what love for neighbor is love for our brothers and sisters and i think we can sum it up by saying that love isn't about me but is about others it's simple but we live looking to others we're about love and that is a love that has to look outwards or it's not love it is not a selfish thing paul uh, began our passage verse 26 by by saying not to become conceited provoking and and envying others and, and when you think about it we, we can be conceited can't we we're often comparing ourselves to others we have an opinion about ourselves that we see ourselves sometimes as superior to others and we might not say it but we kind of live it out in our attitude we kind of look down on others how do they not get you know i think of myself and you know i can get annoyed at other people because they haven't done what i expect them to do or they haven't thought in the way that i think they should or they haven't reacted in the way that i think they should and it's conceit isn't it it's a comparison or you know i think if they're more like me they'd get it uh the world would be a better place if everyone thought like me you know that kind of thing but on the other hand there's envy as well that's kind of the other side of comparison isn't it uh, sort of the opposite but the result is the same 
we compare ourselves negatively, we see what others have. We see the gifts that they have. We see the things they have. Uh, we see how good they are. And we envy them. Uh, it's not humility. It, 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 it's an anger. We don't like that someone is better than us. We don't want them to succeed. A man called John Stott said, we are motivated by either feelings of superiority or inferiority. And I think that's probably true for, for all of us. That's what motivates us a lot of the time. And so what we end up doing is provoking one another. You know, it's a word that gives the impression of challenging someone to a contest. And often these people won't know that we're, we're in a contest with them. Often we'll just sort of do it without thinking. Um, we've been going up the A9 quite a lot, big road through Scotland. And it's average speed cam, not that we would go above 70 anyway, but it's average speed cameras. And so if you're overtaking, you have to be very careful. And I play a game, and maybe it's just me. I hope it's not just me. You play a game where you're trying to pass the person. You're in a contest with them, trying to pass them without going over the average speed and just trying to, to get past. And the other person doesn't know that I am, I'm in a challenge with them, that I'm going to beat them. Maybe it's just me. But you see, it's that kind of provoking. We're kind of comparing ourselves. We're kind of trying to beat others. We're trying to be number one. And so in a, in a much more serious way, we have to ask ourselves, what is motivating us? It probably is actually a mix of both, our, our, our conceit, our pride, and our envy. We are not simple creatures. We have so many motivations going through our hearts, don't we? But the, the point is that these things are not loving each other. When we're letting these things be the driving force behind us, we are not loving each other. We are doing these things. So that's what love isn't. But, but what is this spiritual love, this love for others that, that Paul uh, is talking about? There's quite a few things, uh, really, that he talks about. We'll just briefly go through some. The first is restoration. Uh, verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Uh, this word restoration, it's actually a medical term that would be used for fixing things like a fractured bone or a dislocated bone. You know, it, it, it's setting things right. It's making them straight again, making them the way that they're supposed to be. And, and this is a reminder that because we're human, sometimes uh, in church, uh, as Paul's writing to church, people will do wrong against us. We will be annoyed with people. We will be hurt by people. Um, people will do wrong that maybe doesn't have anything to do with us, but it's sin, uh, uh, and uh, we need to do something about it. That's our experience. And, and the Bible's answer isn't to say, well, I love them, so I'm just going to sweep this under the rug and we'll pretend it didn't happen. That's not what Paul is saying, and that's sometimes how we think of love. No, the Bible says we must deal with it, but in the sense of restoration, a gentle restoration. It's also not the harsh coming down on someone. You've maybe seen in church before. You know, someone does something wrong and it's just attack. Um, it's also not that. It's a gentle restoration. It is not minimizing wrong that is done. It's not ignoring wrong that is done. Don't misunderstand that. But it's, it's fixing the problem. It's not rejecting the person. It is restoring them gently. Um, that is the, the, the way we're supposed to go. It's a fixing, not a rejection. And our default is often to reject. You've gone too far, that's it. But Paul says those who are spiritual 
do this. And he's not talking about some special people who have the Holy Spirit while others don't. He's talking about people who are actually living out the fruit of the Spirit, who have matured in their faith. Uh, and the sign of their maturity isn't how strong they are, isn't how manly they are, whatever. It's how gentle they are. That is what marks them out. It's their gentleness. And they are the people who can go and restore and care for those who have done wrong. And so a, a mature Christian isn't someone who is harsh, who's quick to speak against someone, ready to bring the full weight of outrage. It's someone who sees a sinner and doesn't hate them, maybe hates their sin, but who sees someone who needs restoration, who comes alongside them to restore them. And I don't think that's how a lot of us, us operate. A lot, of, a lot of people see Christians in churches. It's, it's a challenge for us and how we act when someone does wrong. How do we act? Is it with gentleness? Is it with a spirit of restoration? Or is it simply rejection? So we love others by restoring them, not by ignoring the wrong they've done, let's be good, but by restoring them, by getting alongside them and helping them when they've done uh, wrong. Second of all, we bear burdens. You know, this is where Paul says, um, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is hugely important and perhaps even more relevant to us. This is how we show love. We carry the burdens of others. And of course, Jesus has taken the burden of our sin to the cross that is dealt with. And it isn't that, you know, there's verse in the Bible that say, cast all your burdens on the Lord, you know, bring all your anxieties to him. And it's not that God doesn't do that. Of course, he's the one who ultimately helps us with our burdens. Um, but often the way that God helps us with our burdens, with the things that trouble us, the things that weigh us down, the things that are causing us so much difficulty, the way God has chosen to do that is with other people. That's why he's given the church. He describes it as his body. He helps us with others, or we're supposed to, uh, to help others. It's part of why the church exists. Yes, Christ has borne our burden. That's the foundation. But how we live that, how, how we live spiritually is to bear the burdens of others. And, and perhaps this is the most important thing to take from this whole, this whole talk. Bear one another burdens. When we see the, the burdens of, of others, the things weighing them down, other Christians especially, are we moved towards them in love? Do we have that desire to carry that burden for them? Or are we timid, shy, unwilling to go, making excuses? Uh, and on the other hand, do we, do we invite people into our lives and hearts and let them bear our burdens? Or are we proud? Do we think, I can deal with it myself. I'm not going to trouble that person. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to deal with this on my own. Because we think that's what a strong person does. Because we're more stoic than actually spiritual. We need to be willing to let people in as well. And I think it's especially hard for Scottish and British people, frankly, but we need to unlearn these things and open our hearts, open our lives so that others can bear our burdens and we can bear their burdens. This is the vision that not just Paul, but God has for his church. We need that humility. We need to be able to do that with each other. That is what it is to be spiritual. That is what it is to love others. Now I just need to say verses 4 and 5 might sound like a contradiction. Maybe you noticed it. Um, 
let each one test his own work and then for each will have to bear his own load. Paul says that because he's not saying we don't have personal responsibility to God. We are answerable to him. We must be people who love one another and bear each other's burdens. It's actually, again, don't want to get too technical. It's two different words that he uses. It's a different kind of, of burden. He's saying, um, you know, you've got this responsibility to love others. That's what you're answerable to God through. Help people with their burdens. That's what he's saying. So uh, we restore, we bear one another's burdens, and, and we share. Verse 6 gives uh, another uh, example, sharing all good things with the one who teaches. And on one level, um, this is instructing that teachers in the church, bringing the word of God, they should be provided for. Uh, and that's what our church, the free church, and so lives out. Um, but the, the sort of general point is, you know, we share. We're open with all that God has given. Our resources are for for God, not for ourselves. It's not calling for teachers to be wealthy or anything like that, but provided for. And, you know, we live that out as a church plant, don't we? Because we start from nothing and we uh, need to, to, to grow that. The wider point, though, is sharing what is good, sharing with each other. As the early church in Acts, you know, they had all things in common. No one wanted for anything. That is the kind of love that is uh, the vision here, having a common goal and vision for what is good. And of course, implied in that, valuing God's word above everything else, because they're even willing to, you know, give so that they can be taught from God's word. It's another way that we love others. And then the, the passage finishes saying, you know, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. As we have opportunity, what opportunities do I have? What opportunities do we all have to do good? We should take them. How many opportunities do we pass by? Do we just let go by? Because it might be a little bit inconvenient. Um, it might be a little bit sacrificial. We don't want to. But that's what we're to do. Looking for the good of everyone, beginning with the, the church, with fellow Christians, but not limited to at all, reaching out to all those around us in our community, uh, in uh, this place, in Helmsborough, for example. So what we're saying, what Paul is saying, and we could go on and on about all these things, but what he is saying is that to be spiritual is to love others, and love is not about me. It is about the other person and how I can serve them, how I can look to their interests, how I can bear their burdens, how I can support them. Or as this passage, it's sowing to the spirit and not the flesh. We must be people who love others, who fulfill the law of Christ. This is what we are called to if we have placed our faith in Jesus. This is the vision that God has for his people to live out. This is what God invites those who, who don't believe to, to join. And we must give them a place to, to join. This is his invitation. And of course, he himself gives the best example, doesn't he, in, in the whole gospel? Uh, Christ is the one who, of course, loved others, who, who came from heaven, who, who lived here, who served here, who died on the cross in our place. His love for others was so clear in all 
these things. That is what we look to. That is what we see. That is what we stand on, that we have been loved, that he has done it. And we go and love others. Again, the order is so important. We have been loved and we go and love others. And that is being spiritual. So third of all, and finally, uh, briefly, what we gain, what do we gain from this spiritual life? What is the, 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 the point of it? Uh, really, obviously, the end in itself is loving others. We gain uh, a church that is uh, united, where people love each other, where we are supported and we support others, and that is a great gain in itself. But Paul speaks, uh, you know, God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that he will he also reap. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit reap eternal life. Paul's making a point here. What will we reap? What's going to be the end of our lives? What's going to be the harvest that we have when that harvest time comes, when our life ends or when Christ returns? What will we have have sowed? What will our lives have been about? Will they have been about loving others? Will they have been about serving Christ and our neighbour? Because verse 7 is clear. Whatever we sow, we will reap. This is a stern warning. God is not mocked. We can't be deceived. God will not be mocked. We can't deceive him. There's no fakers in God's eyes. We might fool those around us, but God won't be fooled. God knows our hearts. He knows our minds. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're doing. And so if we're going against God, if we are sowing to the flesh, which is essentially living for ourselves then what we are doing is we are sowing the seeds of our own destruction. As the book of Hosea says, you know, we've sowed the wind, we'll reap the whirlwind. And a silly example, but it helps me think it through. And it's not compared to what this is talking about. You've been to a restaurant, the server says, that plate's hot, don't touch it. What are you going to do? Touch it. And of course it's hot. And that's really what we do on a far grander scale. We're told, you'll reap what you sow. Will I really? <coughs> Let's find out. You know, it's that's how we live. And, and if we sow to our own flesh, if we live for ourselves, if we don't live a spiritual life, if you want to put it like that, will we reap corruption? We bring about the decay in ourselves, both morally and spiritually. And ultimately, we show that we have not trusted in Christ for our forgiveness, for our acceptance by God. And we will face his judgment. And we don't like to talk about judgment. But we will all face it. All will be revealed. Both Christian and non-Christian all will be revealed. Where where are we sowing? What are we doing with our lives? Does this challenge us? It, it, it challenges me. Uh, and it should. What are our lives about? We will reap what we sow. It will happen. Where are we sowing? Are we sowing to ourselves, to our flesh? Or are we sowing to the Spirit? Are we sowing, are we growing the fruit of the Spirit? Are we keeping in step with the Spirit? Are we following God's ways? Are we aspiring to live in a Christ-like way? But let's finish with some good news. Because if we sow to the Spirit, what we will reap is eternal life. If we are in step with the Spirit, if we are living for God, and again, it's not to say that we are doing this perfectly, 
uh, we're not putting burdens on people by saying you've got to do this, this and this or you won't go to heaven. That's not what Paul is doing. But saying if, if we're not, um, if our desire isn't to grow that fruit, to, to love others, then we have a problem. But if it is, then we are sowing seeds of eternal life. Or as Jesus puts it, laying up treasures in heaven we will transgress, so we need to be restored. We won't love others perfectly, but our desire is to live in gratitude for that amazing mercy and love and grace that God has shown us. And maybe as we examine our own hearts, I'm not doing very good at this, or I'm feeling tired of this. You know, loving others is sometimes a thankless task, isn't it? Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it seems unappreciated, unrewarding. Immediate results don't really seem to happen. Long-term results don't seem to happen. But he says, let's not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. And so remind you, keep going. Keep sowing. Keep in step with the Spirit. Keep loving others. Because we will reap eternal life. And not, you know, cartoon kind of floating on the clouds with wings and a halo. But real life. Life that doesn't end. Life where there is no corruption, where there is no decay, where we're not facing the reality of old age and of illness and of sickness and of pain. <coughs> but eternal life in perfection, where all the fruit is good, where nothing bad truly happens, where all our desires really for our lives that we want things not to end, well, they come true. There we are resurrected and Paul saying, keep going. Keep going. Keep following Jesus. Don't grow weary. You will reap eternal life. It will come. Keep going. He has promised it. He has given his spirit. You have everything you need, not in yourself, but because God has done it. Keep loving others. Live in light that he has loved you, has died for you, has resurrected from the dead, and keep loving others. That is real spiritual life, to love others, to bear their burdens. That's what Christ did. That's what we do. So, we want to be spiritual people. Let's do as God would have us do. Maybe you want to believe for the first time. We'll see that God has rescued. He has loved you. And he will equip you to go and to love others and to join his community, to be part of his people and to receive the, the harvest, to, to reap eternal life. Thanks for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10.15 as we meet at the Helensborough and Lowman Civic Centre. Find out more on our website, hopehelensborough.org.